Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Sports with the Legend, along with my co-host Macaulay Matthew. I am, of course, William Ramo. What's up, Mac? How you doing? Hey, man. What's up? How's it going? I'm doing good, man. Glad to have you on the show as always. Glad to be on as usual. Thank you, thank you, man, and uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for checking out this episode. Um, of course, of Sports with the Legend on today's show. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff here. You know, we're going to talk sports and entertainment and everything else. Um, so, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about, you know, the Mets signing, um, uh, you know, a great reliever in uh, Trevor May. Um, he's going to definitely show up that bullpen. And, you know, hopefully that, that's the biggest that's the hopefully the first of many big moves for the Mets this offseason. Uh, you know, we'll we'll preview the you know, the um, Jets and Giants, uh, as, they, you know, they play their games tomorrow, Jets versus uh, Raiders, and, of course, um, Giants are going to be um, battling the, the Seahawks. We'll get into that. We'll talk about, you know, um, the Knicks and the, the Nets, uh, you know, um, Media Day. Also talk about, uh, you know, the Save by the Bell re- um you know the the reboot that just came out. Give you my thoughts on that. Me and Max thoughts, of course. Uh, also, get, tell you what's going on in the Mandalorian. The the first six episodes so far in season two. And uh, you know, end the talk with with sports entertainment talk. You know, with a little wrestling talk about Sting's debut in AEW. Um, the War Game preview that's coming out uh, tomorrow. Um, the shocking ending to to um, to AEW and uh, and basically how it will impact um, even Impact Wrestling this Tuesday night. But uh, most importantly, you know, you guys know the number is five six three nine 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 three five two nine. That's five six three nine 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 three five two nine. So feel free to talk about any of these topics or more. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, with that said, let's um, let, let's talk about the baseball. And um, 
basically um, the Mets made a, a big splash. They signed, uh, you know, the the hurler from the Twins, um, Trevor May. Uh, obviously, he's not the the Trevor that the Mets Mets fans, us Mets fans, were looking for. Uh, we're still hoping for uh, Bauer, uh, Trevor Bauer to sign with the Mets, hopefully, uh, this offseason. But uh, th- this move that they made, uh, Trevor May, I mean, this guy, he's improved, man, every year. He's a, he, um, you know, he throws hard. I mean, this guy, he's, you know, he's a guy who wants to be here. He has that, he, he throw hard. He has, he has the personality to be in, you know, to, to perform in New York. Kind of reminds me of a, a Turk Wendell kind of player that, or, or John Franco that you know the Mets had you know 20 years ago, or even Billy Wagner, you know in 06, you know a guy a, a gutty you know gutsy guy who, you know who who's gonna embrace you know the the grand stage of uh, New York. So I mean I think it's a great move. Uh, hopefully the first of many, and. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I sign on with this. You know, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts? I think it's a, I think it's a very good move for the Mets because the Mets bullpen the last couple of years has been atrocious, mainly because of the closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closer hasn't been consistent. Um, so this guy, you know, he, he throws hard, and he's last season looks like he had a, one and zero. Record with a 3.86 ERA, 38 strikeouts. You know, so you know he's he's a good bullpen guy. I think he's gonna give you a, he's gonna give you some uh, effective mill relief. So uh, it's a good move, I think, for the Mets. Absolutely. I think now they need to focus on the starting pitching, though. Mm-hmm. Need starting pitching. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I know there's rumors that they're you know. They're interested in uh, Jake Odorizzi, who's uh, May's uh, Twins teammate. Uh, you know, they, they also have that relationship with the current uh, Mets pitching coach, uh, Jeremy Hefner, who, who's a, who was briefly a former Met several years ago. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the reasons why um, Trevor May signed with the Mets. Uh, he also credits uh, Steve Cohen's uh, eagerness to try to turn the Mets franchise around as one of the reasons why he signed uh um trevor may he he's also like you know i think he has a podcast and you know he's into gaming so you know he he's he definitely has the 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 makeup and the personality to 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 thrive in new york you know if he continues to pitch the way how he's been pitching yeah you know for the mets so uh a, a very uh great sign you know uh, um, George Springer and Trevor Bauer and uh, right now I mean it looks like the Mets are more interested in James McCann than they are in Rio Muto so as long as they could get one of those two guys as like as the catcher you know they'll be in good hands so hopefully you know all of those those guys will be under the Steve Cohen's Christmas tree you know, at least by the, you know, a few weeks from now. Um, and and uh, this upcoming week is uh, basically the winter, you know, when the winter meetings would have been on. Well, I guess technically it's there, but I guess it'll be, you know, remotely. 
So that's going to be interesting what's going to happen there. Um, but there's a um, there's news that uh, Brian Cashman said that he wants uh, he wants um, Aaron Aaron Boone to to be with the, with the Yankees for ten more years. You know he that's a long uh, time. I know Joe, Joe Joe Girardi Joe Joe Torre they've been around for like ten years. So he wants uh, you know Boone to be around. I don't I don't know about you, but I think I mean Aaron Boone is a good coach, head coach, a manager, but I think he's uh, I think he's a, a slightly overrated. You know? Oh, I, I knew think, you were going to say that. I knew I, I knew, I knew I you were going to say that. I think Girardi and and obviously Tori is better than him. I knew you were for some reason. I knew you were going to say that. You <laughs> called you called Cashman overrated over the years. You, I you mean, called. I've said that. I've said that in the past. <laughs> I mean, he he has the the biggest. Payroll. I mean, I have more respect, you know, over the years, you know. Yeah. But I, yeah, my my complaint, you know, I'd say about probably twenty years ago or so, you know, was that you know he had the biggest payroll, you know, all he had to do was just get the biggest payroll. But you well, know, the Yankees. Not true. Here's I, why it's not true. Here's why it's not true. I'll tell you why it's not true. Because... Yeah, but that's what I, said. I agree with you. I thought that way like twenty years ago. But I agree. Now they haven't been spending as much. I mean, obviously they got Garrett Cole last year, but other than that, they haven't really been spending as much as they've been notoriously been known to do. So I, I see your point, but continue. Because even if you have a high payroll, we've seen over the, over the last several years with teams, you know, who have high payrolls, that even even when you get these players, it means nothing until until you actually have a strategy and you're able to win games. If you don't have a strategy to win games, there's no guarantee that you're going to win with high-profile players. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen this. Oh, we've yeah. seen this with Dodgers. We've even seen this with your team. You know, to be honest. Yeah. We've seen this oh, yeah. over the years. You can sign as many high-profile players as you have. If you don't have a game plan and, and you're not managing correctly, you're not going to win. So managing, I think, plays a lot into it, you know, Signing these players is one thing, but then you gotta have a you gotta, you gotta have a plan and a strategy. And I thought Girardi did a great job with oh, the yeah, roster great. he had. I mean, there was years where you know we didn't we weren't winning. You know, we did, we had down years with Girardi where he you know he didn't have a great roster, but he mm-hmm. still managed to be successful. Especially that one year where entering the season you didn't know what the Yankees were going to be, and they ended up going all the way to ALCS versus the yeah, his final year. Yeah, and you know, developing guys like Judge, Sanchez, you know, um, bring on Didi and a lot of some of these other guys who weren't like high profile names, you know, entering the season. He should never so, been fired. Yeah, so you know, Gerard is great at that. Now as for Boone, Boone I don't I don't know how you could call him over it because, you know, he's not he hasn't been managing for long for for that long. You know, he's like what, in his probably fourth year? I think. Yeah, I think probably. Up, yeah, this upcoming year would be his fourth. This this I could think. be his fourth year, and you know he's he's still trying to like learn the managing thing. You know he doesn't have much much experience, but from from what he's had, what he's been given, he's done a great job. It's just injury after injury after injury. I mean, this team could be so much better than they are if they would just stay healthy. I mean, you have guys like Sanchez. Not only does he get injured, but he's inconsistent now. All of a sudden, 
And Judge, as, mu- um, as much as I love Judge, he's inconsistent. Uh, he's not inconsistent. Well, not inconsistent, but injured. He can't I, stay I healthy. Say. He can't stay healthy. Same thing goes for Carl- John Carlos Stanton. Mm. You know, he can't stay healthy either. Um, mm. And now we're seeing guys like Torres, young guy who's getting injured now. So injuries the last several years have killed the Yankees. And it's killed this team. I mean, who knows how 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 far we've got to go and if we if we could stay healthy. But considering that, I think Boone has done a great job with, with all these injuries, especially last season. I mean, with a team with so many injuries last season, the way that he managed this team, I mean, he could have been manager in a year in my eyes, because I don't think any team, any other manager would have been able to cope with that. I when mean, you say last year, you mean 2019 or this? this 2019. 2020, 2020. Okay. 2019, when they were, when, mm-hmm. you know, we had guys going down left and right. Mm-hmm. And it was like the next man standing, you know, had to Joe go up. Trello, Luke Voigt. Yeah, like the whole roster was injured. And, and Boone still still managed some of these uh, B players that were coming up from the roster, from the Myers and had them play well. So, uh, call him overrated. I'm not going to say overrated. I mean, because, you know, he's, he's trying to manage what he's been dealt, the hand that he's been dealt. And he's still in, he's still not there yet. He's in his fourth season. So, you know, he's still trying to get a hang of this managing thing. Um, but for what he's been given and the games, the success the Yankees have had the last several years, I'd say he's done he's done a good job. I mean, hasn't been great, no, because there have been some you know bad managing decisions I've seen in some games, some some moves that you know could have that I wouldn't have done that he's done. But you know, I think he's done good for you know for what he's been given so far. Uh, but over overrated, I'd say that's a little bit strong, you know, but. What would you rate him then? Um, from one to ten, mm-hmm. I I I give him about I give him seven and a half to eight, seven and a half to eight. You know, of course he's not no ten. He's not perfect. You know, I, of course Girardi's. I think Girardi was a better manager than Boone. Of course, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, but Mar- Girardi had experience. You know, Girardi yeah. had you know he had the experience with the Marlins. Right. Uh, with the club. Manager of the year. Yep. Yeah, manager of the year. Yeah. So he came over here. So, you know, Boone, give him some time, you know. Give him some time to manage your team. Who knows? Maybe the Yankees go into the season and they play great and win the championship, you know. So, well, I mean, it's, it's, obviously it's he'll really be him. Obviously, but like you said, the Yankees, you know, they've been hit with the injury bug, you know, yeah. a lot these past couple of years. Yeah, but of course, I mean, Jordy, I mean not Jordy. Uh, Boone is eventually going to win a title with them. I mean he, like I mean he has a great relationship with, um, you know, with with the with the management, especially Cashman. You know the the players love him. You know the Yankees are always in the hunt for the for a championship. You know if they could just stay healthy. So I mean he's he's bound. He, I mean he's bound to to win a title. I mean that's that. There's no question about that. Well, that that's that's if everything plays right. You know that's if everything falls. If all the cards fall into place, because again, last year to 2019, we were favored, heavily favored, and then mm-hmm. you had guys go down left and right, and then what happens? You know, so managers have no control over that if, if the guys well, get injured. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. but with with what he was dealt, last, especially last season, 
I think he could have been manager of the year, you know? So, but I'd say give him some time, you know, give him some time before we call him overrated. I mean, you know, let it, let us, let us see how he handles this team, you know, for the next several years. If he's still here, you know, in the next several years. I think he will be. I mean, barring something unforeseen, he, he he's definitely going to be there for, for several years to come. You know, I don't see, a, you know, like a mutiny from the players to, to get rid of him because he's a player manager. And, and you know, the front office love him. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a recipe for success. And, you know, Yankees are always wanting to spend, you know, as evident as, you know, getting Jarrett Cole, you know, or Garrett Cole, you know, um, in the – you know, last year. So, and of course, you know, they're going to try to resign LeMahieu, who um, rumored he's going to want at least a five-year, $100 million contract. So, you know, the Yankees are going to spend money. You know, Yankees are always going to do what they got to do to um, to give themselves the best chance to win. So, who was – let me ask you a question. Uh, sure. Who was the manager for the Mets when the Mets went to the uh, NLCS in 2006? 2006. Um, that would be, um, of course, uh, Willie Randolph. Willie Randolph. Now, would you call Willie Randolph overrated for the job that he did with all the what he was given? Because I see kind of similarity between Randolph and Boone. Um. Yeah, I guess I guess I could see, I could see that because I always thought Willie was. Because I would not call great... Randolph overrated. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't call him overrated. I would say really, you know, I, you know, he was a great players manager. Um, you know, I thought he was a, I thought he was a good manager, but you know, I, some, some, some in game stuff, you know, I didn't agree with, but um, yeah, I thought he was a good manager. I thought he, he should have lasted a lot longer than he, than he was. You know, I, thought, before he got I, I, I think that was your last great manager. I think. Even uh, better no. than, uh, than, than the Collins. Me. Hey, I think I think he was better than Collins. Um, <laughs> call I mean, me crazy. You know? I mean, I re- I really like Willie when he was on on the team. I I never yeah. thought they should have they should have fired him. Um, I I thought I thought he was Willie was definitely better than Jerry Manuel who replaced him. And Jerry Manuel won um coach of the year I think with the White Sox like in the early two thousand might might have been two thousand and one to be exact maybe. Yeah, I thought he was better than him. Um, let me see who else replaced them. Um, I mean, obviously Mickey, you know, wait, um, well, there was Terry Collins, Terry Collins. Uh, I think it's a toss up between him and, and Terry. Cause I thought their, their in-game strategies weren't, weren't the best. I mean, they were great player managers. I mean, I mean, obviously Terry Collins, I mean, he had everything, the Mets had everything good fall under Terry Collins except winning a championship. They got the first no-hitter. Uh, they went to the World Series, had a bunch of all-stars, had Cy Young Award winners. Um, trying to think. The Mets won their first batting title with, uh, you know, Jose Reyes. So a lot of great things had happened under uh, Terry's reign, you know, except for the title. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a toss-up, which and I, I think is – I think it's really close between Terry and, and, and Willie. Because again, I, I thought they were both uh, great player managers. In-game strategies always, I think they left um, something to be desired, you know. Okay. But you know, I, I like both of them. You know, as guys 
and, um, you know, as, uh, you know, how they carried themselves and how the, the players played for them. Okay. And then Mickey Callaway, oh, my God, that's the Adam Gase of of, oh, uh, of, of baseball. Well, man, I mean, don't like, even bring him up. Oh, I, I have to. I have to bring up Adam Gase. <laughs> there goes the segue. There goes the segue. Let's, let's, let's dive right into this, this, this guy. This guy finally, finally admitted that, you know, he did not develop, um, you know, uh, Darnold. And he was – this is the reason why, why, we, we, why they hired him. is because Peyton Manning endorsed him to the, to the um, you know, Chris, Chris and um, Woody Johnson, you know, the Johnson brothers, you know, that he, he's going to be this great coach. When, when, the, um, when the, 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 the Johnsons saw with their first, first hand that this guy is a sub-500 coach, he was a sub, sub-par coach. If he was a, a golf coach, that would be great. But this guy, he, he, he was a horrible coach with the Dolphins. Every time he has star players, he always has beef with them, and then, you know, it just turns ugly. And then that's the same thing that what happened with him with the Jets. You know, Le'Veon Bell and, and letting all these people get traded. I mean, this guy, he, he's just – I mean, this coach, there, there's, no, there's no reason why this guy should have been hired, much less be in the league. I mean, this guy, he's, he's the worst NFL coach in the history of the game. Like, the Jets, I mean, the Jets have no shot. The only thing that they're, they've been good at – under uh, under um Gase is that you know they're I mean they're a shoe in for for um the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes if Trevor Lawrence well uh, it's them in Jacksonville right now it looks like yeah I know they're they're close I mean I know Jacksonville I think Jacksonville only lost one game yeah but but I mean they keep uh, the, the Jets man they just keep they just keep losing games man I, I mean I know this sounds weird. Coming from a Jet fan, but can we just win one game? I don't. Want, I don't want the history. I would like to. I would just want to win one game, and then we still win the thing. Do we have to be? In, do we have to lose every single game? Like, come on! I, I don't want to be good right now. That part of history. I mean, come on! I just want to see the Jets win one game this year, and 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 still, you know. Um, and still win the the number one pick, you know. I don't I don't need to join the the Browns and the 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 the, the um the Lions in infamy. Like I mean, come on, it's embarrassing. I know Gates. Uh, you know he ha- he says he hasn't developed Darnold, but I mean, all the blame is not on him for Darnold. I mean, some of yes. the blame should be put on Darnold. Oh yeah, Darnold you know? too, right? But yeah, Darnold makes mistakes in the games, you know. Oh yeah. He has to be smarter. I mean, he does. He, what? This is his third season right now, isn't it? Or second? Yeah, this like a, this is like his third. This should be his third, right? By now, he sh- you know he should be smarter making you know this quarterback decisions, and uh, it doesn't look like he's it, it doesn't look like he's reading plays correctly or making making good judgment out there. You know? Yeah making a lot of mistakes that he shouldn't be making in his third season. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. Flacco gives him a better chance to win. That's why, that's why I don't think they should have been rushing um, uh, Darnold back this year. 
because he's been he's been injury prone this year. I mean, yes, obviously you want your your star um, or you know your your quarterback with a, with with uh, with all this potential to 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 you know get acclimated and and try to turn his 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 um his season around because this has been a lost season. But I mean, he's just being injury prone and he's he hasn't been productive. I mean, it, it's just. They're forcing it. I mean, I understand they want to audition him to see, you know, you know, before they they have an opportunity to potentially get Trevor Lawrence. I get that. I get the um, the thought process about that. But come on, we don't want to. You don't want to injure this guy. If you want to trade this guy, you know, you can't you can't risk him getting hurt. Or if you want to continue to develop this guy and see what you have in him, you can't risk him getting hurt. You know, I mean, just got to do a better job. I mean, every game that they have, every week, every game that they have Adam Gates as the head coach, they're just, you know, they're just ensuring that he's going to get hurt, man, because, I mean, this guy is stealing money. This guy is the Bernie Madoff of coach head coaches. (laughs) Like, I mean, he's robbing them. He's robbing them blind. And the Johnsons can't say nothing. They well, can't say I nothing mean, because they, they thought they were such geniuses because they listened to a guy, Peyton Manning, who 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 basically dodged getting drafted by the Jets and but yet they listened to his advice to to um to to get this guy, to get to get Gase. Because he's the quarterback whisperer. And I'm doing air quotation fingers times even though I'm on the uh, you know, I'm on the air. <laughs> But, but, but I mean, like, come on, like, Peyton Manning. I could have been, I could have been the the the, the quarterback guru if I was if, if if I was coaching Peyton Manning. Stevie Wonder could have been. I mean, come on, like, I mean, he got hired because he conned them, and and we're gonna have the worst record because of this. I mean, it's not looking good for the Jets right now. You know, it's not looking good. They're 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 playing against a Raiders team tomorrow who just lost to the mm-hmm. Falcons and they're looking for revenge right now. Well, not revenge, but you know redemption, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're trying to win this game against the Jets and they're going to try to win it big. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be pretty tomorrow. They're, simply put, they're going to get run over by Carr. It's looking like it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just uh, I mean the. There's no, there's no relief, not even the bye week, because they had that game weeks ago that where they could have won, they could have won that game against the Patriots. That would have been the perfect game for them to win. You would have beat the Patriots, and then you would have had that week off. And you could have just relaxed, and then you, they would have had some momentum, you know. But it's like they just keep finding ways to lose. Like I'm. I mean, the only good thing about them losing is that it increases their chances of getting Trevor Lawrence. But I don't. I mean, I don't want to go winless. Come on. Would you want to, if you were in, in, in the Jets' shoes? You know, would you want would you want the Giants to go winless just so you could have a chance at Trevor Lawrence? No, of course I'd want them to win at least one game. I know yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to go. I want to want to go. Uh, you know, winless. It's no, embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Goodness. But shifting gears to uh, the Giants, you know the the Giants obviously um, they have a f- sub five hundred record, but they're they're in the top of the league, you know. 
Yeah, because of the because the NFC East is so bad. Mm-hmm. Giants are leading the division right now and have a chance nope. to make the playoffs with a four and seven record. Four nope. and seven record, mm-hmm. and they can make the playoffs. Um, but they have a tough test tomorrow because Daniel Jones is out with a hamstring injury. So um, Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, uh, my other cousin, he's gonna start. <laughs> And he played all right uh, when Daniel Jones went out uh, last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think he should play well. But uh, the Seahawks, they're a very good team. Um, of course. The Russell Wilson and the crew, you know, they're going to look mm-hmm. to, you know, beat up the Giants. But I think it'll, I think the Giants are going to – I think Giants are going to give them a tough test. This might be a trap game for Seattle, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if Giants pull off an upset in this game. I wouldn't be surprised. So it's going to be a good game. I'm not going to tell you who's going to win, but I say it's going to be a good game. That's it. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the yeah, this, the, I mean, you, you know, the Giants have been on a roll. It's not going to be easy, you know, against, uh, you know, Wilson, but yeah. you know, they do have some momentum. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. It's not going to be an easy game, a cakewalk, as we thought, prior, you know, prior to this uh, second half of this season. So, yeah, and, and by the way, Wayne Goldman, who's uh, done a great job since Devontae Freeman went out, you know, with an injury, he's been doing a good job at running back. You know, this guy, he's going to be a great backup for uh, Saquon, Barkley, Saquon Barkley when he comes back next year. So we're going to have a one-two punch. Barkley and Goldman, you know, that's going to be fun to watch over the next, you know, some odd years. Absolutely, man. But uh, shifting gears, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk, let's let's talk um about a uh, the revival of a show, you know, one of our favorite shows of all time that we would never thought in a million years it would be revived and. Of course, I'm talking about um, this iconic show, Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Man, like, uh, you know, going into the, you know, finding out that they were going to remake, you know, they were going to reboot this show. um, You know, I was happy to find out, like, you know, like find out what happened to Zach and Kelly and Slater and you know Lisa and Screech. You know the original cast, but um, you know then you know of course, you know obviously finding out it was going to be you know a modern, a modern take. You know I had my I had I was cautiously optimistic. You know because, um, obviously that you know the main characters wouldn't be the focal points, but. You know, as I found out more about the show, you know, it, it made sense. You know, it made sense that, you know, Jesse is a, a guidance counselor and, a, you know, a doctor. And, and Slater, he's a football coach, you know. So, they, you know, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then when they originally, uh, you know, said that, you know, it was Zach and Kelly and the other, the other cast wasn't going to be there, you know, it kind of was – you know, kind of uncertain because you know we, you know, 
if you're going to watch Saved by the Bell, you, you got to at least know what happened to Zach and Kelly. You know, they got to at least make an appearance. But, you know, uh, fortunately for us, you know, um, Mark Paul Gosler and, uh, and uh, you know, Tiffany Thiessen, you know, they were, they were able to make it work even though they had, you know, a busy schedule to cameos on the show. And, um, you know, before watching the show, I thought the show was going to be okay. But, you know, I have to say I, I was pleasantly surprised, you know, how – how good, you know, the show was and, you know, how well they intro you know, they um integrated the, the the new cast with the old cast. You know, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was an entertaining show to watch. Um you know, the only thing I have uh, a little beef with is that theme song. I mean they oh, completely botched that new theme. I mean I found out Lil Yachi is yeah. the one who raps it and I don't like that uh, remix, man. They need to get ready for the next season. Oh my like god! It it, it 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 it's literally how you know if I was gonna spoof, you know the the Saved by the Bell, a theme song like hmm if we're gonna make a we're gonna remake it let's make it hip and cool and modern, like it literally sounded like an SNL sketch of how a modernized Saved by the Bell theme song would look would sound like like yeah. to a T like it's I mean. That's literally the only thing I hate about the 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 about the the the, the reboot of mm-hmm. the show. But I mean, the only good thing about the song is like they're actually singing the the, the old school song. But I mean, they could have done a lot better with with, with who, who they. No offense to little Yachi or, or Yatsi or whatever you want to call himself. You know, I'm sure there's you know some people who 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 are fans of him. You know, they're yelling at, at the at their, you know, I don't know, their their screen or their mm. um, devices, you know, how to pronounce it, you know, how to pronounce it cor- correctly. It's 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 really actually like I'm saying, you idiot, you know, <laughs> whatever you guys are saying. But I mean, it's to me, I mean, they could have did a better job with that. But yeah. But um, you know, other than that, you know, it was it was just a you know a great show and my my favorite episode. Was clearly the um, the Todd capsule episode where basically that was a old school Save by the Bell centric episode, and you know how you know I guess without well I mean this is spoilers so I mean you guys should check out the show so it basically shows you know the dynamic of um, you know the Save by the Bell characters over the years. Um, you know, I, de- I definitely think you guys should definitely ch- check out the the series. You know, yeah, it's what, a great what show, very diverse, mm-hmm. very diverse cast. It's a it's a woke up to date say by the bell. You know, mm-hmm. you see that they integrate a lot of the modern stuff that we see today uh, into into the show. You know, the cell phone usage, TikTok. Uh, social media, um, and a lot of other stuff, you know, racial discrimination, mm-hmm. you know, some of the stuff that you didn't see on the original uh, Save by the Bell. Right. But they do make references, you know, to some, you know, from back back in the day, you know, the Zach's huge cell phone, <laughs> yep. um, you know, bringing back Max, um, you know, a lot of old school references right. as well. And Mr. Yeah. Dewey. Mr. Dewey, yeah. So mixing in the old with the new, I thought that was great, you know. But um, 
yeah, I like the diversity, you know, and even having a transgender person and having a Jamie Spano, uh, who's uh, the son of Jesse Spano. He plays a dumb jock. And apparently uh, Lexi, the transgender, she uh, she has a crush on Jamie. Uh, and in the beginning, I thought she had a crush on, well, she kind of liked the brother. In yeah, the I thought so too, like. the Avante. I thought, yeah, I Avante. thought that's what they were teasing at that. And then at that time, they were, um, uh, what was I'm trying to remember? Um, he liked um, Jamie, right. you know, uh, Jesse's kid, uh, right. who I was, you know, I, I have to admit, I was bummed out that he wasn't uh, Slater's kid. Because he looks like Slater. He acts He's like Slater. He's a dumb jock. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought he was that. I was disappointed, you know, about that part. But um, especially when they were teasing, like, you know, um, how he, you know, Slater was, you know, he was involved with both of their mothers and stuff like that from the, the you know, the, the trailer. So they were like, they made it a hint like that's like he, that was his kid. Right. But uh, yeah, but to get back to the point, um, yeah, he he was um, you know, in love with uh, with uh, Daisy's you know the main character's uh, best friend Aisha. Right. So he was like in a love triangle, which is still continued until next season. Oh uh, yeah, right. We'll have to see. But him being a dumb jock, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know he doesn't know Lexi has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know he's kind of he is dumb according to Alicia. Well, uh, apparently he apparently he knows because in that episode where they um you know they tackled you know, um you know um Lexi's uh past they showed that she she was friends with them you know before her her transitional period. So he, he forgot. He's fully aware of you know what you know how she was you know before. So okay. I mean. But um, yeah, it was a real interesting show. Like uh, you know, the main character Daisy, she's like a mix between all the the original characters. You know, obviously she's a uh, you know, she's a you know Jesse Sp- modern day Jesse Spano. Uh, you know, uh, you know a feminist, a, a social justice warrior. Um, she's um, you know, obviously she's like Slater. How Slater just you know Slater was an outsider. You know, of Latin descent coming to Bayside and adjusting to the school. She's, you know, obviously like Zach because she's a, a main, you know, she's the main character who has the timeout power, you know, and, um, oh yeah, and, and, you know, she's popular like Kelly. So, I mean, there's, she's just, she's like a, a mixture of all the, the characters from the original cast, you know. And then it was also, oh yeah, and another thing, uh, Back to my favorite episode, uh, the the Todd Capsule. Uh, you know, they were basically you were you were basically um, it was basically like a, a Easter egg for the fans because um, you know uh, the principal Toddman, you know uh, Mr. Belding's uh, successor, he basically was um, getting hyped that uh, Zach and Kelly were um, were going to come back, you know, to the school. And, uh, you know, there was a, a student, um, he's like one of uh, Lexi's sycophants, and, you know, he was like, his parents are coming to the school. And then after the principal just blurted it out, like, nobody cares about your parents. We only care about, uh, you know, Zach and Kelly, <laughs> which is a, a very funny line because, you know, basically they were, 
you know, it was like an inside joke, like kind of mocking the OG fans for, you know, only caring about the the original cast and not so much about the other characters. And then the even bigger twist, because obviously we thought he cared about Zach and Kelly storyline-wise because, you know, um, Zach and Kelly are the first, is the governor and first lady of uh, uh, California because Zach Morris won a bet you know, he 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 pranked. Basically, he pranked, pranked California. He had to pay like a I think a seventy five dollar parking ticket, but instead he um, he won the, the the bet and end up winning, you know, the the election to be the governor of uh, California. So the reason why he was he was excited, uh, Principal Tommen was excited to see them was because he was secretly part of their classmate. And then it was funny how they they retconned them and and just like deep faked them into you know memorable scenes of you know say by the bell, um, you know um, Kelly being you know offered drugs and um, I'm trying to think um, the the wedding, you know like other memorable scenes from the the show, mm-hmm. you know he ha- he happened to be in the background and then you know then they had the awesome cameo by Lisa you know, um, basically revealing that it is true that Todman was part of their class, their classmates, but they didn't, they never noticed them. <laughs> it's too funny. Yep. So I would definitely, uh, definitely highly recommend the, the series. Um, you know, I, I thought, I thought, you know, I was cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I thought it would be okay at best, to be honest with you, but it was really good. And, and another, one of the reasons why it was great is because, you know, they had a lot of the original people. Obviously, you know, Elizabeth Berkeley, Lauren was, is part works behind the scenes, Mario Lopez. But they also have, like, you know, original people that worked, you know, on the, you know, on the set of the original to, you know, to continue the continuity. And then they also had the, um, the guy who, um, who did the Zach Morris's trash videos for um, Funny or Die. Um, do the videos, so uh, he's one of the major writers of uh, uh, of the show. So that is why you know that's another reason why the show's funny and um, you know and um, you know it's very successful. Um, it's, it's a great show, you know. It's a very good show, but it's not up there with you know Cobra Kai or Girl Meets World, but it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a good it's a nice show to watch, you know. It gives you an up to date of Saved by the Bell, and uh, it's a woke Saved by the Bell, as these kids are saying. Yep, and yeah, the guy's name is uh he's a he's one of the directors uh uh, uh Dashiell Driscoll. So yeah, he's he's one of the the people you know in charge of of that. So I mean that. So um, yeah, that's why the the show the show's good because you know they have they perfectly mix the um the Easter eggs and the throwback um references from the shows for the people who love the show like me and you, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people who's listening to the show right now this show right now, and then the people who you know who are um you know new to to say by the bell and and this new cast so mad props to them. And then uh, shifting gears, you got the Mandalorian. I mean, my goodness, 
The Mandalorian, man, they've been, um, I mean, this show has been great. Like, um, they had the, they, they put, they planted the seeds in season one. Um, if you didn't, if you weren't into Star Wars, you could have watched season one and, and be like, okay, this is, no, this is a, ni- a nice sci-fi thing, you know. You know, it's cool, uh, original characters and all that stuff. But if you're, uh, you know, like a diehard Star, Star Wars fan like myself, man, it's like there's so many Easter eggs and references. And then this this season, season two, man, it's like it's like in Super Saiyan mode right here. Like, they're, you know, from the from the first episode, you know, they, you know, they were, um, you know, um, they they show him going back to Tatooine. Where you know where he met um, Cobb Vant, who was a, a character, a, a new character from uh, that they had in the the aftermath books. Uh, he could he could have been a, a, a um, an expanded universe character as well. I'm not sure, but um, you know he, he, he like um, like in the storyline he 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 was the guy who possessed um, who possessed uh, Boba Fett's outfit after the events of uh, Re- Return of the Jedi when, of course, we all thought Boba Fett, you know, was, uh, you know, ain't alive by the, the select creature, you know, um, there, you know, at that time. So, it, I mean, it was just great that how all the teases led up to, um, you know, the, this this past episode. And, uh, you know, my my fear was, just like episode two of the season, uh, which was a huge letdown when, you know, basically Mandalorian, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda at the time, now known as Groku, you know, um, they were babysitting, you know, the eggs. And let's just say Baby Yoda was not, not the person you'd want, not the the, the species you want babysitting your, your baby egg. <laughs> but, um, it, it, I mean, it was, you know what I mean? Like, it was an okay episode. You know, if I was looking at it objectively, you know, I'd say it was an okay episode, but compared to all the other episodes in, in The Mandalorian, that that episode was bad, you know? It was it was a boring episode, you know? And then season, from episode three on, it's been great. I mean, you've, you've, uh, they, he reunited with, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, um, Grief Karga and um, Cara Dune. Then you know the other episode. I think it was episode four is when he he uh, he met up with uh, he he met uh, Bo-Katan, You know the um, you know the sister of uh, um, uh, what's her name again? Um, Duchess Satine, the former ruler of Mandalore, and you know she, you know it was a it was a it was a good interaction to see how would you know, the Mandalorian, you know, would interact with other Mandalorians who who do not share, share his, you know, religious beliefs. You know, you, you, if you see the episode, you know what I'm talking about. And um, and then, then uh, what was it? Then the, episode five, you had Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson, you know, she hit it out of the park. Great episode. Oh, uh, man. Great episode. Like, it's like after episode, after episode one, it was like, man, I can't wait for episode two. Like they just keep getting better and better. Episode two was a letdown. Then episode three, you know, episode three on where everything has been great. You know what I mean? And then it was like, man, okay, he met Bo. She, he met, um, 
let me see. He, uh, you know, he met Bo Katan. I mean, there's there's a great episode. Then you know he reunites he reunites with you know Grief Karga and uh and uh, Cara Dune. Then he he meets Ahsoka. And then you know I was like, man, this is great. This is just great episodes back to back to back, man. And then I was afraid Friday Friday night. I was afraid that we were gonna have another filler episode like episode two. And man, once I saw once I saw that they were going to tie tie Tyron, the 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 planet that w- was one of the earlier planets, if not the earliest planets of you know the Jedi, you know um, the Jedi Order from a long long time ago, even before they were called the Jedi Order, I think they were called like the Jedi or something like that. But anyway, like once once they show that planet, it was like okay, they're gonna. Something serious, something, something serious is gonna happen. Cause I thought this was gonna happen in the the last episode, see episode eight, season two. And then when I saw the slave one ship, I was like, oh shoot, Boba's here. Was on. It was on. Once I saw that slave one ship, man, I was like, oh boy, this is this is what this is what I wanted to see, man. Yeah, man. I, I the the last couple of episodes were by far the best episodes of the season. You know, with uh, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. I know. You can't ask for anything better. And to and to find out that Boba Fett and Jango Fett are Mandalorians now. Yep. And that just changes the whole dynamic and canon of the Star Wars franchise. Exactly. Because uh, you know, there was the controversy started uh, with. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Almac. I forgot. Prime Minister Almac. He was the uh, the Prime Minister of uh, of of Mandalore, um, and he's the one that was saying like, you know, he doesn't know. He told Obi Wan like he doesn't know how they got the the how how uh you know how Jango had the the armor because he was saying like they're not real Mandalorians, and um, I guess it's kind of like I guess it kind of foreshadowed what Obi Wan said to Luke about Darth Vader not being Luke's, you know, hiding the fact that Darth Vader is not Anakin's father. I guess from a certain point of view that, you know, what he thought was true, because I guess maybe because uh, Jango Fett, you know, has a different belief system than he does, you know, I guess he didn't feel like he was a true Mandalorian. Or maybe he was lying, you know, who knows. But I I was very pleasantly surprised that uh, you know, Jango Fett, Jango Fett, and you know his son slash clone Boba Fett are officially Mandalorians. You know, so I mean that was great. And then afterwards, man, um, you know, spoiler alerts. Uh, you know, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the other character. Um, the Ming Ming Fen Sand or something. I forgot her name. Yeah, the bounty hunter she was believed to be killed in season one. Um, she she's alive. She was saved by Boba Fett, as we all suspected by the rumors. And uh, now they're working with uh, Boba with uh, with the Mandalorian because uh, you know unfortunately Baby Yoda got captured. Uh, oh, Grogu got captured. You know, side note. Ahsoka was the one that revealed his name in episode five. Yeah, not Goku um, from uh, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and she revealed that basically, 
um, he was he was uh, he was a Jedi, and he was rescued by somebody uh, during you know Anakin's uh, assault on the Jedi Temple, and you know in order when Order sixty six was uh, enacted at the end of you know you know during Return of the Jedi, I mean Revenge of the Sith, and the end of the Clone Wars season seven episodes. So um, yeah, now we're gonna find out. Now we have. Two questions to find out: Who is the the Jedi who saved uh, Grogu from being, you know, killed? The who's the Jedi who's gonna pop up at the, most likely at the end of this, the 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 season when uh, you know Grogu was you know calling out to a Jedi to assist on his uh, you know his future journey. But man. So yeah, man, Moff Gideon, man, he that guy is a bad dude, and uh, it looks like he and might be working with Thrawn. I forgot yeah, to mention that Golf uh, Median is wearing Darth Vader's armor. Yeah, it does look like it. Now that's another question: What is he doing with that armor, or was that armor somehow passed from him to Anakin? Well, um. I'm assuming it just looks similar to Darth Vader's outfit. I don't think it's exactly Darth Vader's outfit. I mean, for all we know, he could have been trained by Darth Vader, because he, you know, he's a he's an imperial person. You know, we don't know much about Darth. I mean, rather, uh, Grandma uh, uh, Gideon, I should say. We don't know Darth much Vader about him. He killed him and took it. Who? Darth Vader. Maybe he killed him and took it. Killed who? Midian. No, remember Darth Vader died at the end of Return of the Jedi when he fought when he when he uh, when he saved Luke. No, but isn't this isn't this isn't this like during the time Anakin when he was Anakin? No, 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 no. Um, Mandalorian takes place five five years after Return of the Jedi. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is dead. Darth Vader oh, is dead. Um, this is basically what happened after. You know the the Rebel Alliance won. You I know, there's still there's still Imperial remnants who you know they don't want to accept the fact that they lost. So, you know, they just want to continue to maintain power. So so then then Midian then he maybe the armor was stolen from Vader I guess from Vader's it, dead body. It's, it's possible because uh, they have some you know. Um, Occultists that um, I forgot what they were called. Um, the acolytes of the Beyond, I think they were called. They're, they they basically stole his armor. Like they're basically the, those are the people, those same people that were worshiping Emperor Palpatine in uh, Episode Seven. Mm. So, yeah, it's possible. I don't think I I don't think it's I don't think it's Vader's actual suit, but it's possible. You know, since he was a high-ranking, um, you know. Imperial, uh, you know, member. He he would have interactions with Vader and and uh, you know the Emperor. Mm. Whether or not he knows if they're you know, you know, like if he trained with them or whatnot, it's possible because he does have the dark saber. Which yeah. That sword is um you know if you guys watch uh you know, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. You'll know that that sword is very sacred to the Mandalorian. So, basically, how he has the sword. Uh, last time we saw it, you know, Bo-Katan had the sword, uh, had that the dark saber. So we don't know how 
how Gideon got it from Catan. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll, you know, fill us in on what happened. But all in all, I have a question. If the foundlings, like Baby Yoda, like how how, how long do they remain kids? I mean, uh-huh. the foundling, the Baby Yoda has been a kid since Anakin yeah. killed his uh, foundling relatives. Uh, yeah. Well, basically, um, you know, the foundlings, you know, for the Mandalorians are basically they're basically any kid that they found, and they they adopt them into. Um, you know, into the Mandalorian cult, into the Mandalorian culture. Like, see, like, like the Mandalorian himself, he's not born. You know, he wasn't born on Mandalore. You know, he wasn't. He was adopted into the Mandalorian culture by right. Death Watch, which was Bo-Katan's former group that she was in when she was, you know, when she was a heel. But uh, basically, um, yeah. So anybody could be a any species, you know, can be a Mandalorian, you know, as long as they they, they accept the the creed of the the you know the Mandalorian. Why hasn't Baby Yoda aged? Uh, that's a good question. Well, it must be his species why he can't age because, um, in Star Wars, uh, Yoda aged know, aged. Yeah, over time. Yeah. Over time, he aged, but but we've only seen we've only seen Yoda. Um, you know, like probably like what the the what seventy years of his life or so fifty fifty seventy years of his life maybe let me see let me do the math in my head. Um, yeah, we've only seen him from like Phantom Menace to like you know Return of the Jedi. So that's like what like a forty year span out of the the, the nine hundred years he had. Wow. And there's only been you know there's only been three well known you know, species of Yodas, you know, there's him, there's uh, Yaddle, who was also a Jedi Master, you know, in Phantom Menace. No one knows what happened to her after uh, Phantom Menace. In Legend, she got killed, you know, before um, the Clone Wars, but no one knows what happened to her in, in canon. And then, of course, now you have Grogu. So my theory is, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is the more popular theory, is that he is the offspring. Of, he's their child. So, who knows? Yeah. Because no one knows what species Yoda is. No one knows what planet he's from. You know, it's a huge mystery. So all in all, I mean, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal season so far. You know, I look yeah, forward to see what happens in these upcoming episodes. But uh yeah. Yeah, but uh oh yeah. Uh then you you got um you know basketball. Um looks like the you know the Knicks are are, are you know the young guys they're they're motivated. Yeah, we'll you see. Know? We'll see, you know, because uh Nixon weren't able to get any big star free agent right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Westbrook was just traded to the Wizards, Wizards for um, John Wall. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Knicks are pretty much going to have to go into the season with uh, a bunch of young guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. A lot of young guys with with chips chip on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Even Nick Kino looks like he's trying to he's trying to be serious for a change. You know, he's he's taking it serious. You know, 
Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, uh, quickly, um, you know, Toppin, all these guys, they feel like they have something to prove. Even Mitchell Robinson, you know, they all look like the young, hungry guys that want to prove it. And then after – and then Austin Rivers, that's like the only guy that they, they you know – Major guy. I mean, I guess you could put in parentheses, you know, major. I mean, he's a good player. He got potential. But, um, you know, his father, Doc Rivers, you know, the new 76ers head coach, you know, lobbied him to, to play in New York, you know, his, for his former team. Which, um, yeah, should be, you know, it should be interesting to see what Austin Rivers does, you know, in a Nick uniform because he's going to be, you know, we're going to have like this, real point guard battle is going to be him. You got um, Peyton who has the, um, I, I say he has the edge. You got quickly who, you know, who has potential who play well, well in college. And and many people thought he got drafted like, like 20 or 30 picks ahead of, you know, what the Knicks, you know, got him at the very minimum. They thought he was a, uh, you know, a, a early second round pick. So the Knicks drafting him, you know, late in the, 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 the first round, you know, surprised people. But, you know, he has potential there. You know, it, it, you know, we're looking to see, you know, what, how the, the Knicks will develop. Oh, yeah, and then Melo basically, you know, shot down all the rumors of people thinking of him coming, was coming back. You know, you know he he didn't see there was a fit for him to go come to the Knicks. And if you remember um, – you know, listening to the the episodes this off season, that's what I was saying. Like, I, it didn't make sense to me for him to come back to New York. It's not like we're a championship team, and he's a last piece of the puzzle, and he finally gets to win the ring with us. That would be the only logical reason why he would why he should come back. You know, but um, you know, good luck to him in in you know, in, you know, back in Portland. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he'll be coming off the bench, is what it looks like. And uh, yeah, you know he had to swallow his pride to, you know, come back. You know to to come back on the bench. You know because he had a great great career. Yeah, yeah. he uh, will retire as a Blazer. Yeah, it sure looks like it, but um. Yeah, so yeah, and then the, yeah, so yeah, the Westbrook trade, you know, yeah, I think that that's definitely the guy that the Knicks should have went after, as long as they didn't give up anything of value. I mean, of major, but they ain't gonna get a you know a future Hall of Fame guy like that. You gotta give up something. So, what can you do? The Knicks just have to, you know, draft continue to draft wisely and and you know become a team that people would want to come to in a few years because we all know Greek freak, you know, I, I, you know, Giannis ain't coming here. So next year. So let's just, let's just get that out of the way. And then on the, the net side, you know, um, you know, everybody's anticipating, uh, you know, um, Kevin Durant making his, uh, his net debut. Um, they they recently signed you know his very good friend Jeff Green, you know the veteran NBA player, to join the team and 
Yeah. Who 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 you who are you more interested to see this year? Who are you interested to see um Durant finally debut as a net or top in, you know, Oh, I don't care about NBA the I mean, I'm more interested about seeing, you know, Toppin and some of these other guys improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what the Nets do, to be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. they can win 50 games. I don't care. But I want to just focus on the Knicks and see what the Knicks can do. Uh, see if they improve and see if Thibodeau can, uh, you know, can develop these guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Totally with you. And see some uh, winning bas- basketball, man. Yep. And uh, shifting gears, talk about winning. AW man, they they uh, they uh, they revealed that basically Sting has joined them. He signed a multi-year deal. He made his uh, you know much anticipated uh, debut on AEW because there was always rumors, you know, after they. The I think WWE released him and like he you know the best fit for him would have been would have been AEW and sure enough he's now part of AEW and um, wow, yeah he that's popped. a that's a big signing yeah it's a huge signing and it's a multi year deal like less than twenty four hours you know that you know of his debut his shirts got sold out which wow. which is an AEW record right there. But the question is, you know, does he still have anything in the tank? Well, there's rumors that, you know, he who knows? He might wrestle. He might not wrestle. But if he does wrestle, he's not going to take that many bumps, you know, which yeah. obviously, you know, he's 61 years old. You know, he can't. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. Well, the reason the reason why, you know, I fell, fell out, you know, with him in WWE is because, you know, he, WWE didn't want to use him as a regular a regular, um, you know, on-screen uh, talent like uh, TNA was using him. You know, TNA was using him like as a GM slash wrestler. You know, at the end of his his TNA career, um, but WWE, you know, they didn't do that. They, you know, they poorly used him. You know, they he only had that big match with Triple H, which, you know, it was basically a WWE versus WCW propaganda match and. You know, obviously it was a good match, but Triple H shouldn't have been the opponent, you know, that he he faced at WrestleMania, especially if that was going to be his only WrestleMania match. And Plus, Sting got injured after that. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, and the, the, the Seth Rollins match. But I'm saying the first WrestleMania match should have been against, you know, Undertaker instead of yeah, Triple yeah. H. Because yeah. Triple, H, Triple H versus Sting... You know, in my top ten of wrestlers, I'd I'd love to see, you know, Sting wrestling in WWE. Triple H would have probably been number eleven for me, to be honest with you, because there's there's like, like so many iconic guys in the past and even in the present, that would have been interesting to see them, you know, see him fight, because I mean he did fight Triple H already in WCW when Triple H was terrorizing, you know, back in those days. So it would have. I think the Triple H one should have been a, a, a rivalry that should have sh- had, had he stayed healthy, you know, w- should have been a, a you know a rivalry that should have been, you know, visited after he fought 
against Undertaker, Kane, Bray Wyatt, you know, people who naturally now will never know. Yeah, he came to the aid of Cody Rhodes, Darby Allin, and um, Arn Anderson, you know, a guy he's very familiar with from their WCW days. And, uh, you know, Taz's team, you know, FDW, uh, they were they were beating up on the guys after the match, the aforementioned guys after the match. Oh yeah, Gold Gold Goldust uh, popped up too. Uh, I think he, he probably he probably was he probably called uh, Dustin Rhodes again. I don't think he uses the Goldust name again. But yeah, so basically, yeah, Willie uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and uh, Brian Cage were attacking you know, the aforementioned good guys after the match. And then that's when Sting popped the end to shock everybody. I don't know if you saw the video, but it had like this nice, uh, you know, winter, you know, you had snowflakes coming, you know, falling into the arena. The fans were like really into it. Like it was the biggest pop in AEW history. Wow. And then the other big moment of the night was uh, John Moxley defending his AEW title against uh, Kenny Omega, and uh, in his in Kenny Omega's corner, he had the Impact the Impact Wrestlers uh, executive in his corner because they they you know they've been friends for a long time, so there was a real crossover there, and uh, basically at the end of the match. Uh, Don Callis, he hands Omega a mic, and um, basically, um, with, with the referee not looking, Omega hits uh, uh, Moxley in the face with the with the um, between the eyes with the with the microphone, which made him bloodied. And then he, you know, and then he, uh, you know, basically, eventually, um, you know, hit his finisher, the one wing one winged angel uh, move. To, to to win the title and end uh, John Moxley's reign, long reign, uh, I'd say what a year reign of, of a title, and became the third ever champion in uh, AEW history. And then right after the match, everybody was you know was you know upset with with Kenny Omega because of that screw job, and basically him and the, and Palace, you know, Impact Wrestling, Impact Wrestling. Executive were running out, running out of the arena, and basically, you know, the reporters can ask him why did he he do this, and then the um, Callis said, if you want to find out the episode, you got to tune in Tuesday night at at Impact Wrestling. So there's the the crossover. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't see it. I, I you know I missed I missed AEW, so I'm gonna have to. Catch, watch the replay, or see the highlights later on. Yeah, but what's what's your thought that you know Impact Wrestling and 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 uh, and AEW look like they have a partnership that they actually having a crossover? Well, that's that's great for business. You know, that's gonna give uh, that's gonna be more competition for WWE now. Mm-hmm. But I don't think WWE is too worried because WWE is you know. Still has more fans and still mm-hmm. makes more money um, to blow out anything that AEW can do or Impact right. Wrestling can do. But 
it's interesting because both of these organizations have, you know, they pretty much gotten like WWE has-beens mm-hmm. or WCW has-beens, you know, and they're trading superstars back and forth. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they make this a partnership work. Yeah, and uh, yeah, back to to the um, to the rest of the, the event. You had MJF and Orange Cassidy. They won by eliminating Wardlow um, in a in the AW Diamond Ring Battle Royale. Well, actually, yeah, it was a battle royale to determine who's gonna fight next week for the AEW Dynamite uh, Diamond Ring. Uh, basically, it, it was a it was like a a twenty man Royal Rumble. Basically, they had, but instead of instead of having one winner, they had two, and those two winners, which is MJF and Orange Cassidy, they're gonna fight in our main event next week to determine who's gonna win the 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 Diamond Ring, the AEW Diamond Ring. Um, Chris Jericho and uh, Jake Hager and or uh, well, Chris Jericho defeated Frankie Kazarian. This is the first time, I mean, other than last week that these two uh, wrestling veterans battled it out. And then you had uh, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, uh, DMD. She defeated uh, Layla Hirsch in a singles match. The aforementioned Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes, they defeated Team Taz, which had Ricky Starks and Powerhouse uh, Hobbs. And then that's when, uh, you know, when the bad guys, Team Taz were attacking the good guys. Um, that's when Sting made his debut. And then they had the Kenny Omega defeating John and Moxley match. But yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting, uh, you know, what's going to go down. Yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm interested to find out what happened, you know, with Kenny Omega coming on Impact. But uh, you know, I was trying to find out, hmm, let me see if I, I'm going to check this out. And then the funny thing I found out was that I can't see Access TV. So it's pretty ironic that Access TV isn't accessible to everybody. So, can you get it online? I'm sure you can find it online somewhere. May, I, maybe. Maybe, but I don't know. But um, what was I going to say? But, yeah, it's interesting to see them working together. Uh, Triple H was saying, like, you know, WWE is open to working with other companies if it's profitable for them in the long run. But... I strongly doubt that because WWE, you know, they're not WWE. They don't need to inter. They don't need to work with anybody. They're making money. True. Uh, yeah. But uh, tonight they got the the War Games pay per view event. Speaking of former WCW, um, popular stuff from WCW, the War Games uh, pay per view is going to happen. Uh, they have they have some. Uh, you know, some, you know, interesting matches coming up. They got, uh, you know, Timothy Thatcher. He's going to be fighting against uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, I think Tommaso Ciampa will win that, 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 uh, that bout. Especially after uh, Thatcher um, made uh, Ciampa pass out uh, on uh, AEW. I'm not AEW, uh, NXT. Then you got the strap match. Uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. Uh, Dexter Loomis will win that. 
And then you got the the triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. You got the champion, the underdog, Leon Ruff, uh, defending his title against uh, Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. I think Johnny Gargano will will get that victory with the help of the the two Ghostface hingemans that he has working for him. Yeah, the same Ghostface hingemans from from the the Scream movie. He has them working. <laughs> for him. Yeah. Then you got, to me, the match of the night, uh, the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Bobby Fish versus uh, Pat McAfee, uh, Pete Dunne, Danny Birch, and Only Larkin in the War Games match. Um, wow, I could see it going either way. Um, man, I could... I mean this this is this match this match uh undisputed era hasn't has never lost so far. I mean they undisputed era has been dominating for years but uh you know Pat McAfee's group you know they've been uh, attacking them badly. I mean they really, the undisputed era really does need this this match to get to, this victory to get back on track. But I'm going to pick Pat McAfee's group to um to upset them and keep their the momentum going. And uh, last but not least, you got the women's war game match. You have Team Shotzi. You got Shotzi Blackheart, Amber Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai, the NXT Women's Champion, versus Team Candice, which has Candice LeRae, who's uh, Johnny Gargano's wife, Dakota Kai, uh, and her henchman Raquel Gonzalez. And Tony Storm, who turned heel, um, probably what was it last week or a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, so I'm picking Team Shotzi to win that one. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah, I think I think that's about it. I think we covered everything I could think of. Uh, is there is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, no. Just uh, everyone, just be safe out there. And come back here. Let's come back and listen to Sports of a Legend, only on Block Talk Radio every Saturdays at eleven. That's right. So uh, you know, thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for checking out um, this episode of, of uh, Sports of a Legend. You know, we'll be back hopefully next week, Saturday at eleven. Uh, check out my YouTube channel, Sports of a Legend TV, and we'll see you guys uh, next time. So he's Macaulay Matthew. I'm William Ramon, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.